the Zambia that we want, who do you think is going to create it? That's how important discipline is. I wouldn't have done anything without it. The storytelling has to be consistent. It's hard for people to understand the dreams that you have. Hey, my name is Chilu Lemba. The guest today on Z Flashback is Trevor Mumba, the CEO of the Rovert Group. He's a mover and shaker. Trevor is a dreamer and he's a very disciplined and forward-thinking individual. Just before this episode was recorded, it was announced that he had won the Zambian Man of the Year International Award and so we started there. And this particular episode is available on YouTube, search for Z Flashback. This interview was conducted by our good friend, cinematographer Samuel Chazanga Sakala. So enjoy this episode on Z Flashback. So congratulations on being named Zambian Man of the Year International 2023. What does the win mean to you? Um, thank you, uh, first of all. Um, I was so excited when I got the award. Um, it really means a lot to me. So the thought for me in winning this award is awards like money are just a representation of something okay so most people just want to go for the money they want their awards but they don't realize that those things are just a result of your work okay so whether you you don't win the award just to be nominated for it out of so many people means somebody has recognized your work the effort that you put into your art whatever that is the way you live your life and that's that's recognition so for me to win that award to get nominated then to go ahead and win it is like so encouraging for me to keep doing what i've been doing maybe even just do better so that's that's what it means to me i'm grateful and uh, Chilo was nominated last last year and it was scooped by Patson Daka. So a note from AC, as you call him, is that he's jealous of you. <laughs> oh yeah, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe it actually comes with a height requirement. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's too tall for it. My senior citizen, that's where AC comes from. Let's talk about your beginning in Lusaka. We know Matera is uh, where your story began and it wasn't an easy childhood different people have different barometers that speak to how rough a childhood was some quantify it by what the dad consisted of some by how many drunk people would hail insults walk past the house in your mind what made you think it was rough um so looking looking back now um i realize how how terrible poverty is you know um so when you're in it you don't really realize because that's all you're surrounded by and uh, when you're growing up in it that's all you know so that's normal you know um, but i'm grateful that i started thinking about these things quite early you know when you go to school and they tell you that education is the key to success but you look at your teachers who are educated and none of them inspire you that's sad so how am I supposed to believe that education can change my life when I can see my teacher looks hungry, his shoe is not properly polished, you know, um, it's, it's all those things. And you watch TV and you see what success is supposed to look like, but you don't see it in real person around you, you know. So for me, um, I, I knew that my childhood was rough because all those barometers that you enlisted you know in your question where we're all there um it's the diet of course you you grow up loving certain food foods 
Um, but then at some point you realize that's all you could afford. Your grandmother, that's all she could afford to put on the table. And chicken meant so much on special days because you were poor. Because why should chicken be a special meal? You understand? And I look at my daughter now and what I considered luxury foods, she doesn't even like them. That's because to her, the world around her is very different. So, you know, so looking back now, those for me are the things that made my childhood rough. And growing up in the neighborhood where your, your older brothers, your uncles are all drunkards. Um, we had guys, <laughs> this, is, this is always funny, man. We had guys whose biggest achievement was the fact that they could beat everybody. On the <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like on this street, in the next street, in that block, in an Imania, guys. Me, I can beat all of you up. And that's what the guy is known for. That's his mark of success right there. Richard Aponona, you, you understand? <laughs> now, now if, you're, if you're a guy like Trevor, I'm a small guy. Of course, now I, I'm, I'm fit, whatever, but in stage, I'm still a small guy and fighting is not my thing. You begin to realize I'm going to die here. I won't survive this, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's all those things for me that that made it rough, you know. Glad we're out of it. What's behind the name self Stout King? Um, it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, one, for me to make it to where I am, there's a level of self-confidence that I had to attend um, to a point of other people looking at it as arrogance, but I needed it. I needed it. The world is rough out there, okay? Um, and if you don't define for yourself who you are and believe in it, and use that affirmation, you probably just end up a loser because what differentiates you from everybody else? So a big part of it is just me saying, I'm the man, okay? And who's the bigger man in any, in any kingdom? It's the king himself. So I had to make myself king since I wasn't born into royalty. I had to create a kingdom for myself. Couple that with my love for fashion. Uh, luckily, I'm one of those guys that's never struggled to, to look good. I don't know, it's, it's a natural thing for me, you know? So I just became that, the self-styled king, the self-made king. So self-styled king is a combination of somebody that styles himself, but somebody that made himself. So I know there are people that always debate the topic of being self-made. Of course, um, there are so many people that contribute to your success, but the truth is you are the styling in your story. That's the part that most people forget. If you didn't want it that badly, even all the people that helped you along the way wouldn't help you. So you still can't take away the fact when people say I'm self-made that there's a bigger part they played in where they ended up, even though they are still grateful for everybody that contributed to their success. So that's where that name comes from. What's behind the name Rovit? Rovit is just Trevor backwards. I'm smart sometimes. I just needed a cool name. Oh, so interesting, right? I started writing that on my school books back in secondary school, you know, and I'll tell people one day I'll own a company called this. And you know how your school friends, because they're probably better than you in class, they look at you like, 
what are you saying? I actually didn't know how it was going to happen, but I just had that dream, that idea that one day I would, a company would, would sound cool being called that. And yeah, here we are, a couple of Rovet entities now, but it, it's just literally my name backwards. Interesting. So before you moved to SA, you were being entrepreneur and um, legend has it, you were selling CDs to, to get by. Is that accurate? And um, maybe you can tell us about some of the ventures. Yes, that, that is very accurate. Um, so for me, it was all about survival, man. You know, I had, I had to do something. So um, a big part of a big part of everything that I've become is is in relationships, and that's something I've I've always been grateful for, uh, my ability to easily build relationships. So there's a guy I knew called Andrew. Uh, he used to have a shop at Town Center before the the new market. He had one of those tin shops. He used to bring in. Um, DVDs, uh, before the DVDs, videotapes, VHS. Um, and what were those before DVDs? Those, those um, VCDs. Remember, like one movie on two discs, sometimes three. Um, so I went to this guy, I was like, I need a job, okay, just to help me with school and stuff. So I was like, I don't really have a job, but I could be giving you videotapes and uh, VCDs uh, on consignment. So I'll give you maybe 10 of each. You go and sell. This is how much I want. Your markup is yours. So that's how we started. And the, v the, the VHSs were phasing out at that time. So I mostly started concentrating on the VCDs. And then when the DVDs came in, and, and that was my hustle. The advantage I had over some of my friends on the streets was I could speak very good English. You know, and I could dress well. So I would go into offices while my friends would just wait for customers on the streets. This is how I got to build very good relationships with some people in the banks, um, like their names you might you might know, like Joseph Kafwariman and um you know, there were guys like uh, I think it was Mutande Mondoloka, uh a, a woman called um Bridget Mkanda and her husband at Barclays. So I, I started knowing all these um, big guys in the banks. And that was good business for me because then they started introducing me to other people in the departments. So that became my niche, you know. So all my friends would just depend on customers coming to them on the streets. I just used to go into businesses. And also because you don't have time to go to the streets to buy a dvd when i bring it to you I, i'm selling at a premium so i was making more money than my friends because i would sell at an extra five bucks you know and uh, at some point i got myself a little car a toyota marino so now i could actually do deliveries so on weekends you know people that don't want to go out would actually call me you know and i'll deliver anywhere around lusaka for like an extra five bucks again you know so that's um yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And then I sold some spares at some point. Um, so interesting now with the way we run Rovet Logistics, where we help individuals, companies in, um, in sourcing for goods in South Africa and sometimes in, in Europe and then delivering all the way to Zambia. I started doing that way back uh, with my clientele in Livingston. 
because they never had any car breakers in Livingston. So I started advertising my services where people would buy shocks, lights, whatever from these um, Japanese car breakers in Lusaka. And if you ordered a part from me, for example, any time between 6 and 10 in the morning, you would get it same day in the evening so all i did was i would call the guys at bmk those are the guys i used to work with um i need this i need that they would quote me i charge the customer they pay me i do a deposit then the bmk guys had a special rate for me they would send somebody to the station at intercity put the parts on the bus to livingstone the customer receives if i receive the orders after 12 you get your parts tomorrow between um six and two just, just that and and those, those are just some of the stories of what i did before i moved to south africa that's how i survived Financial literacy is something that's said to be lacking amongst us. You have a business where cash is being generated and being reinvested. What's your take on what a healthy relationship with money looks like? Or, if put differently, how should we be viewing money in our lives? <laughs> I love money conversations because they're very sensitive, especially among us black people, which is very interesting because we need the money the most but we also seem to not understand it the most. So for me, right, this is the thought behind all of it. I love the term financial literacy because money has to be lent. And unfortunately, a lot of us never get a chance to lend money. Um, so look, look at it this way. The same way that you have to study something to be an expert at it. It's the amount of time that you dedicate to understanding the, the subject, um, the different experiences you have with it. That's exactly how financial literacy works. Okay. Uh, you have to understand money. You have to practice it, make money, spend money, lose money. All of it is part of the lessons. Okay. So I always tell people, say, look, before you, you listen to a motivational speaker telling you to save money, you first have to make money. You can't save what you don't have. There are people that actually give you specific amounts to save. Every month, save a one pin. From where? <laughs> How? You get it? So for me, we first have to be very comfortable talking about money. And if you're, you're a parent, you have a child, start teaching them about money. Like money has to be worked hard for money has to be generated in a certain way so instead of just giving your child money make him understand how you make your money if you can okay this is what i do i take my daughter to the office so now she knows and she's so serious about it that i've never lied to my daughter when i'm leaving the house for example about where i'm going because i don't want her to have trust issues and then you come back <laughs> daddy's gone so there are times when i've got time i take her with me to work okay and she hears me having conversations on the phone about work about money charging people you know um so it's it's not strange to her so now she knows so funny enough when my daughter for example wants a toy right she first asks me daddy do you have money because she knows money has to come from somewhere right it's funny sometimes how she actually say daddy how was work today work was good so you made money and I love that because she's beginning to understand it. So same as all of us, we need to understand money has to come from somewhere. So what are you doing to get paid? 
what, what service are you offering what product are you selling okay what solution are you are you giving the world what problem are you solving okay that you can charge people for the more problems you solve that you can charge people for the more money you make okay the more solutions you can come up with in the way you think that other people don't you can charge for that so people are busy doing different things and the reason we charge for the different things that we do is because for example if you come to buy shoes from me is because you don't have the time to make your own shoes you are busy doing other things so that's a service that i'm offering and that's a product that i'm selling so that's the concept around money but generally let's get very comfortable talking about money we need money one of the things that i teach my sales team at rovet marketing is that money is good all the time and all the time money is good that's a saying we have in the company because for as long as you deny the fact that money is good you will never have it you will never build a good relationship with it. So there are reasons why certain terms or verses exist, but I think sometimes we misinterpret them. Money is the root of all evil. Um, okay. Do you know how bad you have to be for money to turn you into evil? So like I like to say, money actually, money and pain are very similar in the way they work. They don't do anything to you. They just expose who you are. So when you see somebody make money and they're evil, that's, that's a character they've always had. Money just enhances it. All right? But when you understand that money is good and it can be used for good and that's what builds businesses and businesses hire people and people can now take care of their families from the ideas that you create, then it's a good thing, right? Exactly. So it's, it's a very long conversation, uh, but these are some of my thoughts around money. But before we debate about it, let's all just learn to make it. And before you can judge people with money, just have your own and see how you're going to act. Your business instincts seem to be very sharp. You've dived into marketing, PR, logistics, radio, apparel, and even music. How do you sharpen your mind to be alert in terms of your decision-making and identifying new opportunities? Okay, great. So th this is a question I come across a lot. And the other version of this question would be, how have you managed to diversify so much but still have uh, your fingers on the pulse or pulses of your businesses, right? Sometimes I get, I get it in that form. So the first thing that I had to do was to learn how to run one business. Because business principles are basically the same. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what product or services. So the first thing I had to do was run one business successfully for a very long time. So for the longest time, all I had was Robert Marketing, which I started in 2010. Um, I think the next company that I built afterwards was, I think, 2019. So for about nine years, all I was doing is just one business. And that one business taught me all the lessons I needed to learn. Business is hard. Okay. So, of course, as a business person, there are certain luxuries that I enjoy. I control my time. You know, I can decide to go on holiday when everybody else is busy. But there's a price that you pay for that. Okay. So learning how to take care of your own money. Uh, I've never been financed with by, by anybody. Uh, in all my businesses to date, I don't have any external 
partners i don't have any equity from anywhere i don't have any investments from anywhere so learning how to make money and then reinvest it back into your business know which part of it has to go to pay your expenses and which money is, is your profit and which one is your all those things so now once you understand all the basics of how to run that one business properly you can start diversifying now to successfully run all these businesses the way that they do right the genius thing that i've done is to identify very smart people around me okay and teach them everything that i know and help them understand the vision that i have for each one of my businesses and ultimately Robert Investments, which owns all my entities. So once they do that, I allow them to be themselves and to apply themselves fully to each one of my entities. So I don't necessarily run businesses. I run people that run the businesses. So that becomes easy. So at Logistics, I have great people there there's a guy called Dumiso and Ray they run that business I just come in and offer them all the support that they need um, at marketing I have again Ray plays part of the roles there and then there's a lady called Precious they literally run that business they're in touch with um, our suppliers the events companies that help us with different things and I come in just play a role to support them uh, with our greenwash uh, our waterless car wash I have a guy there called Davis he hires he fires he does everything you know um, I just come in again to to offer support at Rovet Radio we have Victor Critic great guy he's um he's a genius i also just listen to our radio station sometimes I'm like oh that's that's cool so of course there's some international programs where i've come in to play roy in introducing him to some of my contacts abroad but he literally does everything so there are roles that i play across the board in all my businesses and number one role is to make sure that there's money <laughs> there's money to pay for everything okay that's that's my biggest job there and also i'm the face of the business uh, so my job is to bring in the big deals okay and once the deals are in everybody knows where to take it up from and 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 run with it so that's that's basically how we run it so i don't necessarily have to struggle every day running all the businesses i can't it's not it's, it's humanly impossible so for every person that wants to diversify and build an empire be very good at people like that skill that skill is one thing you're going to appreciate in building anything worth talking about. It's people that help you build stuff. In fact, businesses don't grow. It's people that grow and you see their growth through the, the performance of your businesses. So that's mostly what I focus on. Are my people good? What are they learning? Are they taken care of? And, and we, we keep growing. So someone described you as uh, being two things, a great storyteller and a creative problem solver. What role do those aspects play in your success okay um i don't know who that person is but they were actually spot on so um storytelling right storytelling is a is a great tool to building businesses or brands okay um take for example even when you take it into religion the more powerful a story is the bigger that religion is going to be the story of sacrifice the whole bible is based on sacrifice just one concept and that story has been told so well consistently for so long 
and that's what makes it what it is okay so storytelling um there are people that have literally grown with me on social media they followed me for a while they saw me get married they saw my child being born they saw her first birthday and now her fifth birthday and some have come to meet her so what that does right is it makes people feel they're a part of what you're building and when people feel they're part of something they'll support you because it's it's equally theirs okay so it's like look at the best products for example there's a storyline behind them and this is what perpetuates that brand or makes it strong uh, nobody's interested in a in a story that starts today and then ends tomorrow and like one hit wonders so again the biggest part about storytelling is consistency so if you look at where I am now and you look at where I was a year ago and two years ago and three years ago, can you see a pattern? Okay, whether it's in what I talk about, it's what I represent, it's how I dress, the storytelling has to be consistent. Problem solving. Look, everybody has a problem. Others bigger than others, okay? Um, and problems, examples of problems around us can be something as as simple as um it's too hot okay um i need sunglasses i didn't carry a pair of sunglasses or i don't own one get to the junction or by the traffic lights there's a guy right there selling sunglasses 50 bucks okay cool he's just solved the problem you realize that maybe it's too much light in your eyes if you're like me like you need sunglasses all the time it doesn't matter whether those sunglasses are expensive they brand in that moment if you need them that guy has solved your problem he's getting paid okay it's hot now okay so you see the guy selling drinks by the streets whatever it doesn't matter someone has realized someone is going to need water and i have to be there for them and that's exactly what it is of course the problems get bigger as you go and they evolve to a point where i solve problems for brands a big part of what i do is in fundraising for international organizations okay the NGOs need a lot of money at any given time they've got an appetite for money but also they are not businesses so they are not very good at raising money so that means their worry is always where is our next budget going to come from or this is the budget but where is the money to fulfill that going to come from that's where i come in okay i'm very good at making money so i go like i'll go and make you the money all right but i'm not a charity so what's the deal all right and there it is i solve a problem everybody gets paid we create jobs and we carry on so those like i said i don't know who described me like that but they were spot on because that's exactly what i do every day so um the other ingredients is uh, discipline you wake up early rumor has it uh, that it's as early as 4 a.m you have uh, a set time to do workout what role does discipline play in your life so look there, there are a lot of things right there is motivation like you have to be self-motivated to do something right that's a feeling like i feel like i need to start gym all right discipline is what keeps you going literally if you think of any anything that you want to do say career you want to go into that thought that i want to get into film you are motivated to go into it what will make you carry on even when times get tough because it's going to get tough in fume you guys have got your own frustrations that you go through it's the discipline 
okay that is going to help you build yourself up as a person your brand it just keeps you going so it's true i wake up at four i'm in the office by 4 45 it's very important for me you earlier asked me about all the businesses that i run a big part to the success of all these entities is the amount of time that i dedicate to them i need as much time as i can get and 24 hours like some people say we have 24 hours sometimes it's just not enough right so you need to give yourself as much time as possible so when i get into the office that early first 15 minutes is just meditation it's very important that i calm my soul down mentally i'm in the right space then i start to plan um my day who am i calling today what am i doing all the emails that came in a bit late yesterday okay i i, I sort them out by six my managers come in it's game planning by seven the employees come in morning meetings with the right teams by eight i start to call all the managers that don't share an office with me what's happening today who's doing what okay by one o'clock I go to a cafe near my child's school, grab a coffee, catch up with some more phone calls, pick up at two, by three, I'm in the gym, till five, shower, watch TV, spend time with the family, by 8.30, I'm in bed. So I managed to do everything and I still get a lot of sleep between 8.30 and four again. But it, it's not easy, but all I'm saying is if you keep doing it, right, it just gets easier over time because it becomes a part of you. So that's how important discipline is. I wouldn't have done anything without it. Moving to a new country isn't easy, but you decided to do so and um, have enjoyed success there. What are some of the difficulties you encountered moving to SA and how do you think you've managed to overcome those? Um, no, it's not, it's not easy at all. Huh? Um, just moving anywhere. If, if you have to change cities, for example, you, you're a Lusaka guy and you move to, to Copper Belt. You know, everything is different. The culture, the people, the way people do things, the way they dance. So moving countries, especially going to a country where you go in and the locals are already complaining that there are no jobs. You, you know the story. Okay, foreigners are taking our jobs. To move into that space, you have to be very mentally strong and you need to have a game plan. You don't wake up, move into a country that's already complaining about its own unemployment and think they'll just give you a job. Worse, I'm not going in there with any special skills where I'll be given exemptions because I've got a degree that most South Africans don't have. I even failed my grade 12. So it takes a lot of willpower. It, it actually takes a lot of bravery because when I moved to South Africa, my first job was selling stuff door to door. Okay. I don't speak the language, any of the languages, my accent, you can clearly tell that I'm a foreigner. Um, it, it wasn't easy, you know, you get called names sometimes, um, you, you are in situations where, you know, foreigners are being hated on. Okay, but you focus. I, I like to tell people that I didn't move to South Africa for a haircut. <laughs> look at my head. Do I look like that's what I went there for? So whatever that goal is, I have to stay focused on it. And because I know exactly what I'm in there for, I don't have time to party and waste like everybody else. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there to work, save as much as I can. And this is how I saved up some money, started a business. And before that, I had to put my papers in place. You know, that would allow me to register a company. Now, no one can say, you're a foreigner, you're taking our jobs. I'm giving them jobs, which is impressive, right? 
you know, to move into a country and go and create jobs, you know. But it's possible as long as, again, all these things that we are talking about. Are you willing to work hard? Are you willing to pay the price for the goals that you have? Are you disciplined enough to follow through on all the things that you want to do? You can do it. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. You give opportunities to many people. That's uh, one of the things that you're, you're known for. Uh, obviously, some people squander these opportunities. What, from your observation, is a trait that these guys possibly have? Lack of gratitude. When you... Let's put it this way. When, when somebody that comes from where I come from with my background creates an opportunity for you first of all maybe it's because they understand what you are going through they've been there before so when they give you that opportunity right you need to look past the opportunity they've given you and go back to how this person ended up in a position to offer you that opportunity and a lot of that is going to contribute to how grateful you are for the actual opportunity that you've been given okay um so when i give you an opportunity and you you don't take it seriously or you you mess up it's actually disrespectful because i've gone through so much to be able to even put you in that position that i've i've put you in i've sacrificed so much for example when i moved to south africa i had no idea where i was going to stay what i was going to do you know it was scary i ended up staying with strangers and here we are now there are youngsters that have given opportunities to come to South Africa. They, didn't, they don't have to go through the things I went through. They know exactly where they are going. I'm going to South Africa. I'm going to work at Rovet. Okay, Trevor, big bro, is going to look out for me. And I've done that. And when they mess up, in the end, it speaks more to their character than to me. Uh, it doesn't even break my heart anymore because I don't need to... I, it's not rocket science to see that you're probably not going to go far if that's how you handle opportunities because how you treat one thing is how you probably treat a lot of other things if you mess up an opportunity once and you, you don't learn from it you keep messing up and then one day you look back at your life and you never did anything sensible but for me like um one of my my mentors and mother mlenga kapwepwe said to me once she said son the universe will not judge you based on how people have treated the opportunities you've given them the universe will judge you based on the fact that you helped period so what i what you do with the opportunities i give you that's up to you me i've already played my part and maybe that's where all my blessings keep coming from as a boss if you uh hypothetically had to do two performance reviews and give advice to two people what do you think you'd say the first person you are reviewing is trevor trevor mumba aged 20. the second is trevor mumba today okay so i'll tell a 20 year old trevor that listen it's hard for people to understand the dreams that you have or the things you say you are going to do but there's nothing wrong with it keep going keep believing in yourself learn as much as you can and every time you fall, get up because you're going to fall. And it's going to get hard at some point. You're going to feel like quitting. Please don't. Because once you go through all those things, you have no idea how beautiful the future is. That's what I'll tell the 20-year-old Trevor. Okay. 
to the current Trevor who's 40 years old, I would say, well done for how far you've come. It hasn't been easy. Um, you've gone through a lot. There are moments that literally almost killed you. There are moments that broke you, but you've done well. And looking forward, you have nothing else to prove to anybody. This is the time now that you you fly even higher because humanity needs everything that you've been practicing for. It's time to serve. How well are both those Trevors doing on a scale of 1 to 10? The first Trevor, the younger one, say 10 out of 10. Because despite all the odds against him, the boy just pushed. So many times I had to raise a middle finger to everybody around me because they just didn't understand what I was trying to do. And I'm glad that I did that because if I, if in my younger years I listened to everybody that had an opinion on my life and all the advice they were giving me, chances are I wouldn't be here. So I was right. There are people that would advise me to do things that they never even did themselves. And a lot of that is family, you know. So I would say that Trevor did, did very well, 10 out of 10. The current Trevor, because he's still learning and there's still room for growth, I would say 7 out of 10. There, there are things that I want to do and they are so big, they scare me. So I, I'm not at 10 because maybe that one in there is the courage i need to do certain things what i'm what i'm trying to do with my life going forward has never been done by anybody that i know not from my family not from my community not from my country so you can only imagine yeah but we're gonna get there the other thing is you are not afraid to speak your mind and sometimes you happily side with what might be considered unpopular opinions whether it's to do with religion politics or people's rights do you ever get people DMing you saying tekanya because there could be a, a reprisal that may harm your business for instance Yeah, you, you get that a lot. But I'm also a very calculated guy. So before I tell you what I think, I don't consider myself very opinionated. But when I do, I'm very sure of what I'm saying. I don't know if that makes sense. So I'm not a guy who jumps on any topic. I, I'm not. But when I do, I've, I've taken my time to study it, to understand it. And that's, that's when I speak. Okay? Um... For example, when we were trying to change governments, I was very vocal. I had people literally threaten me, but I'm also not stupid. I've set up my businesses in such a way that there's very little you can do to harm it. I've never done business with government. So when I speak out against government, it's like, what are you going to do? And also it's me knowing the skill set that I have. Somebody once said, the confidence of a bird sitting in a tree is not in the branch it's sitting on. It's in its wings. If a branch breaks, it will just fly away. 
So sometimes that's the part people don't understand. And one of the reasons I want people to work so hard and be as independent as they can is because they are truly empowered to speak their minds. They say whoever has the God calls the shots. It's very hard to speak out against people that are feeding you. When you don't feed me, I'll say whatever the F I want. You don't feed me, so? But somebody has to say something. Our country was liberated by bravery. If Kaunda was afraid and his homies were afraid to say certain things, we wouldn't be where we are, would we? Look at the whole world around us. People worth talking about, even the ones that died for their beliefs, they had to say something when it was scary. It's crazy that Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X died, both of them at the age of 39. But it's like they're almost eternal, right? What did they represent? Even though they were on different paths, they both contributed to the black liberation struggle in the U.S. What Most of what they were saying got them in prison, beaten up. So maybe I'm just a new Mandela. Maybe I'm just a new KK. Maybe I'm a new Kanye West. Who knows? But I'm just here to live my life. And at the end of my life, I just want to say, I lived my life, not yours. Mine. That's all. Speaking of the new KK, uh, you've been considering a switch into politics. Is that something you're still considering? If so, why do you think it's uh, important? After you go through so much, right, you, you realize something that maybe you were born for a higher purpose. Of course, you, you define a big part of that for yourself. And this is the stage I've reached now. So as far as business is concerned, I have nothing else to prove, not to myself, not to anybody. Um, I know how to make money. And even though money comes and goes, I'll, I'll always make money. Okay, but then you get this feeling of what else? You know, when, when making money alone stops fulfilling you and I know what is going to fulfill me um, and give me a sense of purpose and direction is not money anymore. It's service to the people, you know. Um, about two years ago, for my birthday, I, I decided to spend my birthday in Matero at the Matero Aftercare Center. So like two weeks before I called the center, um, I asked somebody to organize me the number for one of the matrons. So they did. So I called the center and I said, hey, listen, uh, is it possible if I come and spend some time with you on my birthday? They say, yeah, sure. So I organized the chef. I organized an events company, put up some chairs, a gazebo, nice food. My wife and I flew in and we had a beautiful time. Um, but I did not like what I saw that day driving through Matero and spending time with those people at the aftercare center birthed something in me. Um, I live a very comfortable life, okay? There are times when I decide my, you know, like which car I'm driving based on my outfit, you know? So it's, it's, it's very easy to forget where you're coming from. And um, that day reminded me that I had a duty. Money I always have, nice cars I always love, the beautiful clothes, but there are people that need very little. 
and unfortunately they're not getting it you know so i was like i don't want to be like everybody else that complains from a distance let me try and if we're going to save 10 people's lives create jobs for another 20 youngsters we did something it's better than zero maybe those 20 people go on and become bigger create more opportunities for others you know so that's where that idea comes from i know it can't be easy but somebody has to do it and also the, the Zambia that we want, who do you think is going to create it? If we are all afraid to get into politics, we've had terrible leaders in the past because somehow we decided that politics was for a certain kind of a person. Who? After all the things I've done on my own, I think that's given me the confidence to know that I can create opportunities somewhere else. If I've done so much with my own, imagine if I had access to government funds, you know, what we can do for the Zambian people using their own money. Because there's only so much I can do on my own. But with the right platform, with me being in parliament, where I'm helping change the laws, effect certain changes, we can just do so much. So this, this is the path I'm on and I'm, I'm serious about it. Let me just say I'm dead serious about it. It may not even be about me winning the election in 2026, but this is me being in it for as long as possible. I may never even have to win an election, and, but I'll keep doing what I can on my own. And if one day I end up in a position where we can save more people, so be it. But this is the time. I just, I'm ready. You have um, business interest in Zambia too. What do you see as a problem with the way things are presently in Zambia? And what do you think can help us as a people solve them? A big part of our problem is, um, is, is attitude. Zambia needs a massive mindset shift. Okay. Um, I love my country, but there are things that frustrate me so much uh, sometimes. And it, it doesn't even make sense you know um and i think there are things that we've normalized that shouldn't be and if we are going to change as a country we need to just start maybe getting angry you know for things that we don't do right for perceptions that we've we've believed in for so long um i know we are working hard but sometimes i feel like we don't understand what we are working hard for, and that can be a waste of time. Um, look, there, um, there are so many chill spots, for example, in Lusaka alone. I've got no issue with that. People have to run businesses, whatever. But for people that complain so much about how hard money is, we sort of also just know how to spend it, right? In ways that are not bringing it back. It's, it's the small things like that. Like, how do you complain you don't have any savings, but you're also a guy that just can't sit at home on a weekend? You always have to be out. I'm not judging you. All I'm saying is if you spend a 500 every weekend, if you cut out two weekends, you have a 1,000 at the end of a month. If you just support yourself one weekend, that's an extra 500, so you have a 1,500. Okay, that's like 18 grand at the end of a year. Sometimes the change you want doesn't need any external f 
factors. It just needs you to make a decision. So as individuals, what are we doing really as individuals to change our lives, to change ourselves before we talk about it? So if we all know we are doing our best, right? Then yeah. Okay, Mr. President, you see how hard we try? It's your turn now. Okay, and the people that you put in office who have no choice but to work very hard to save you better. Sometimes the, the leaders even act the way that they do because they know you're not serious. So what, because they're like, okay, so what are you going to do now? It's like, why do we have so many politicians lying? Because that's what you want to hear. So they're like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll tell you this, this, this. I told somebody that in, in my campaigns in Matero, I'm not spending any money on anybody's alcohol. And they told me you're going to lose. I'm like, that's exactly my point. Because I'm telling you, the money that gets spent on campaigns to intoxicate the youth just so they can vote for a guy, that's money we could be using in all those places that we want to change, right? But because I'm telling you the truth, you won't vote for me. Then when you vote for that MP that's not doing anything for you, you start to complain. But you drank the money he was supposed to use to change your lives. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, right? It's like you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it. It's either we have to be very good at sacrificing certain things to gain certain things or we keep going around in circles. We had Biflo on uh, Z Flashback not too long ago. He spoke about uh, a sort of a vacuum he believes he had based on his father not being as present in his life. What was your situation? Because in your case, as we understand it both, your, your parents weren't present in your life as you grew up. Look, you... I, I'm, I'm loving being a parent because there are so many things that I'm learning. You know? Me being a dad and to a girl is making me realize how, how empty my childhood was. And I, it's, there's so many things I never realized about my life until now that I'm, I'm a parent, you know, um, like having a father figure, you know, somebody to really look up to, um, you know, somebody to have conversations, certain conversations with you that your uncles shouldn't have, um, that no one else can have with you. You know, your dad telling you he's proud of you, no matter how small the achievement is. Okay, if you passed number 10 last term, and this term you've come to number five, someone to give you a pat on the back and say, we are on the right track, son. Okay, next we are going for number one. To not have that, um, and to not have a mother. And of course, I was raised by my grandmother, so a big part of understanding motherly love was there. But still, there's something missing because there's a connection, there's a bond that you would have with your mother that you can't have with, with anybody else. Um, and truth is, later on as you're growing, the lack of a mother in your life affects your relationship with women, your relationships with women. Um, and again, I'm grateful that I was raised by my grandmother, so that was sort of easier for me. Um, the lack of a father figure in your life sometimes means you're not knowing who to trust in your life later on when they want to play that role or the danger of actually taking on a, a, a bad role model because you don't know what the right one is supposed to be, you know? But also just love. I know as men, we don't talk much about that. Um, 
I, I always talk about how grateful I am that I was raised by my grandmother because even as gangster as I have always thought I am, there's a part of me that my grandmother made sure I never lost and that's my vulnerability. I'm a very emotional guy and it's important. I love it. When I talk about things that matter so much to me, that are close to my heart, I get very emotional. And I appreciate that because when you go through so much pain, it's also possible that you become numb. And that's not good. So there are times when I feel a certain way like I feel right now. And deep down my heart, I'm very happy because I'm, I know I'm still human. Unfortunately, I've got friends who grew up without parents that are not lucky enough to still feel so deeply about things. Okay, I'm a very passionate person. Um, and that's a gift to me. So again, luckily the role that my mother never played because she died when I was still very young, my mother played that. But a big part of what a father is supposed to be. I've got no idea. And I'm hoping now that I'm a better dad. I'm a good dad to my daughter. So no matter how busy I am, I create as much time as possible. I'm there. I never miss a school event. I plan all my work trips around my kids' school events, even before she was born, okay? Uh, I never missed a single doctor's visit when my wife was pregnant. That's the amount of presence I wanted to have as a father in my daughter's life. I was there every single visit. I was there when my daughter was born, literally. I was in there in that room and I've been there the whole time, you know? So I guess that's me trying to be what I imagine my father would have been. I hope I'm, I'm doing a good job. Do you think innately we are born with leadership in our DNA or do we become? It's, it's a bit of both. Um, so we are all born leaders, but that is inactive until somebody recognizes it in you and the earlier the better. Okay, and I think we all get a chance to practice leadership. It's only that some people just never take it seriously and they just end up nowhere. Okay, um, but if you look back into your childhood, you realize there was a moment when your parents were like, I'm going away. Please make sure that you, you remove the chicken from the fridge. That was her teaching you to be responsible because leadership is responsibility and influence. Okay. And then you just went to play, forgot what your mom told you. You lost out on an opportunity to be a leader. If you had done that little single role very well, the responsibilities were going to keep growing and growing and growing. And this is one day where you start to handle responsibilities that other people go look at and say, wow, how do you do that? I've been practicing that leadership that I was born with my whole life. And unfortunately, when you don't activate that again at a certain point, it's like there's a window of opportunity that you get. If you miss it, it's gone. So I think we are all born leaders, but what you do every day from as young as you can is what determines how good, how, how influential, how big or how useless you are as a leader. Earlier you talked a lot about your daughter and um, you even got emotional. Uh, but uh, I would ask, um, your relationship with your daughter is a marvel to actually watch. Uh, we've seen a lot of that 
on social media. Um, would you say you've uh, changed as a person since uh, she entered your life? Oh, yes, definitely. I'm more patient. <laughs> Daughters will teach you patience. <laughs> so if you, have, if you have a girlfriend now and you think she's nagging, Wait till you have a daughter, man. Daughters don't care. You can't break up with her, remember? <laughs> they, are, they are very special people. But I'm, I'm a very patient guy. Uh, I'm very slow to anger. It takes a lot for, for anybody to really piss me off, to grind my gears. Uh, I'm more understanding. I just look at life very differently. For example, the way I work, the way I, I invest has changed. Um, before my daughter was born, I had a lot of plans, you know, financially that would just be like in the next five years, I should have this much, then that's the goal. Uh, but now I have investment plans for my daughter that would take her into old age. That's planning beyond my life. And I don't care, you know, like. I just want to make sure when my daughter is 60 years old, not me, when my daughter is 60 years old, that she won't depend on anybody to take care of her. You know that, you know the level of focus and planning that takes, that's the kind of person that I've become. So the, the amount of work that goes into my life, I've, I actually work harder now that I have a daughter than I did before. I thought I used to work hard, but now it's different because it's like very, very intentional, very focused, you know? And um, I, I just feel young again to sit and watch cartoons like so focused and I'm in it. So like this is what's going on and that's that cartoon's character. And, and oh, you know, like part where cartoon falls and both me and me, ah, you know, like in it. Like it's, it's beautiful, man. But I've definitely changed. I'm not the same guy that I was six years ago. They definitely get the gangs out of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we think your life is a movie. And now, against all odds, you are you're a Zambian man of the year, international, Trevor Mumba. <laughs> uh, thank you for being a guest on Z Flashback. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate being invited. I don't take this for granted. Um, I know how great you guys are, how great your, your podcast is. And again, because it's the internet, right? This will live on forever. So for me to be a part of that, it's like, wow, you know? Um, and for future generations, all the things that are going to happen in my life, I can always have youngsters that can go back to uh, recordings like this and say, let's understand this this man, this old man a little better and get a glimpse into my life. And hopefully uh, somebody got some sensible insight that will change a life because that's the whole point, right? So thank you. <laughs>